Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Monday, April 3rd. I'm Nyla Boudou. Today, the latest on former President Trump's indictment and the debate over crime in the nation's capital, plus a change to preventive services under the ACA. But first, the U.S. tornado death toll keeps rising. That's our one big thing. At least 32 people have died after severe storms hit the South, Midwest, and Mid-Atlantic over the weekend. That brought the American death toll from tornadoes over just the past two weeks to more than 50. Since the start of this year, the National Weather Service preliminary data shows there have been at least 385 tornadoes across the country. Axios' Andrew Friedman is here with the big picture. Andrew, just how wide-ranging were these past weekend storms? Extremely wide-ranging, going from the Mississippi River Valley all the way up almost into Wisconsin and then eastward into states you don't normally expect this weather at this time of year, Delaware and New Jersey. Last weekend, the Mississippi tornado was rated an EF4, the second highest rating of severity. Andrew, what role is climate change playing in how intense or widespread tornadoes have been so far this year? Scientists are hard at work trying to decipher what role climate change has played in this year's tornadoes so far, but more importantly, which direction things are going. It is virtually impossible that climate change isn't affecting these weather systems. We're getting more water vapor in the air. That means there's more instability for severe thunderstorms. There's just intricacies that computer models have trouble resolving. Andrew, is there more of this severe weather coming tomorrow? Where do people need to be on guard? Yeah, so right now it really looks like another outbreak is possible going from Chicago southward to uh, the Mississippi River Valley. So pretty much the same regions that were hit Friday into Saturday. What we're talking about right now in terms of storm preparations that people should be making is really preparing to have multiple ways to get weather information in case one fails. So one great one is a NOAA weather radio, which will blare any warning information. Another one is a trusted media source. It's kind of thinking about, okay, where am I going to get information tomorrow? Andrew, you and I are in the D.C. area, but do you have a tornado safety plan in place for your family? Taking the cat, the dog, my wife and son immediately to the basement when a warning is issued and taking them seriously, not immediately running outside to record video, which is what too many people seem to be doing these days. Take warnings seriously. They can save lives. Andrew Friedman covers climate and energy for Axios. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Former President Donald Trump is expected to surrender to New York authorities on Tuesday afternoon at 2.15 Eastern time. And he's already planning a news conference for back at Mar-a-Lago on Tuesday evening. Two other headlines to catch you up quick on the latest in this historic indictment. A lawyer for Michael Cohen, Trump's former attorney, told CNN and Axios' Mike Allen that his client presented evidence to the grand jury of hush money paid to a second woman who also claimed to have had an affair with the former president. That suggests the indictment may be broader than just Stormy Daniels. 
And a Trump official also tells Axios that Trump's 2024 re-election campaign has raised $5 million since news of his indictment broke. More than $4 million of that came within the first 24 hours. In a moment, the congressional fight over crime in the nation's capital. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. Before attention turned to Trump's indictment, a different conversation on crime was dominating Capitol Hill last week. City officials in D.C. deny congressional Republicans' claims that the nation's capital is having a, quote, crime crisis. Axios' Janate Dill has been covering this and is here to explain why this D.C. conversation matters for the whole country. Janate, so House GOP lawmakers are doubling down on D.C. and painting it as a mismanaged city that's soft on crime. Why is that? Crime has become sort of this existential problem for some people in Congress who who feel it. You know, they talk about property crimes that they've experienced. Or Senator Rand Paul Stafford was brutally assaulted and police are investigating that still. And it's turned into this moment where the House GOP can go after D.C., And the crime issue is one that is not just in D.C., but across the nation. And so this is really also a chance for them to go after, uh, in some ways, other Democratic-run cities that they think are soft on crime. Can you just remind us of why Congress has so much power over the District of Columbia? Yeah, the Constitution essentially gives the federal government final say over the district, essentially. Congress can block its laws like it just did for the first time in three decades. And it can call up leaders for oversight and other things that it can't do for, like, Chicago or New York City or any, anywhere else, really. What do we know about crime rates across the city? And what kind of crimes are we talking about? Are they violent? I mean, the reality is there is a crime resurgence in the district and other cities. Carjackings have been going up for five years now. It's sort of a national problem, too. Homicides have exceeded 200 for two years in a row. It dipped a little bit last year, but it was still over 200. And those are figures we haven't seen in D.C. since about 2003. Gun violence in particular, we've reported, is up across the city. Last year, there was a slight dip in overall crime incidents. But, I mean, you look at all these events that really get people's attention. It's worrying not just Congress, but city leaders, the mayor, you know, people in neighborhoods, they're, they're taking notice as well. The Senate voted to block changes to D.C.'s criminal code. As you mentioned, that's the first time Congress has approved overturning local D.C. legislation since 1991. What does this mean for the city? It's a big setback for home rule. The city, in a split-screen moment, is super close to statehood on paper. But at the same time, it just suffered the biggest defeat in self-governance in three decades. So for local leaders, it was a real punch in the gut. Now, there's also this politicization of this whole situation where Republicans are looking at 2024 and they want to make Democrats look weak on an issue, and that's crime. They're forcing votes on police reform. They're forcing votes on sentencing like they just did in D.C. So this is definitely a political issue. At the same time, I think Democratic mayors are also noticing that crime is an important thing to handle. Janate Dale covers D.C. for Axios. Thanks, Janate. Thank you.
A federal judge in Texas ruled Thursday that employers cannot be required to cover some preventive health care services under the Affordable Care Act. Axios' senior health care editor, Adriel Bettelheim, has what you need to know and what comes next. This case was argued last year in a federal court in Texas and centered around a group of individuals and businesses that objected to being mandated under the Affordable Care Act to offer coverage of medications that prevent HIV because they didn't want to encourage homosexual behavior. The federal judge, Reed O'Connor, ruled that the requirement uh, under the ACA violated their rights under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. But on Thursday, He further ruled against required coverage of services at no cost that were recommended by a federal task force since March of 2010. So we're talking about skin and lung cancer screenings, HIV prep, the medication, statins for heart disease, chemo prevention for breast cancer risk. Kaiser Family Foundation estimates 6 in 10 commercially insured people, or the equivalent of about 100 million, use ACA preventive services. So now we're waiting, first of all, for the government to act, and then the focus turns to insurers and employers who no longer have to meet this coverage requirement. And as this winds through the courts, there may also be challenges to the Affordable Care Act's contraception mandate separate mandate. As this thing winds through and there's more appeals at the appellate court level, higher court level, even to the Supreme Court, an effort to strike that requirement will come back into play. So really, a lot of different preventive services are are up for grabs right now as this moves through the courts. And that's Axios' Adriel Bettelheim. And that's it for us today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.